Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 Church is a new church in Goodyear Heights, Ohio, that's inviting friends into family. If you live in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. For more information about us, including our service times and live stream information, check out the links in our show notes or visit us online at 539.church. That's F-I-V-E 39.church. Please take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. You may be seated. And uh, before I jump in, also just a reminder, our Germany uh, team is right now doing very well. At, or, uh, Ryan has sent me a few pictures and things like that. They're running a soccer camp. There's over 120 kids uh, that they've been ministering to. So Ryan preaches tonight at a church. Uh, just be thinking and praying for them and with them. Uh, but today, we are going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 uh, in your Bible. If you're new to the Bible, there's one in front of you. It's page 351. Uh, Chronicles. I know you were probably there in your quiet time this morning, hanging out uh, with the Lord. It's not a popular book. Uh, it has no relation to the Chronicles of Narnia. That's a different gang. Uh, but either way, this is uh, in a book of the Bible, Second Chronicles. It's showing some of the stories and snippets of kings who were leading the people of God, and uh, we're going to be hanging out there this morning. But Uh, We do just want to take time to honor the dads, to uh, hopefully pray for them. Hopefully today you get to do what dad wants to do. Uh, I don't know what that means for you if there's NASCAR. I have no idea if NASCAR is on today, but maybe you're watching NASCAR. Uh, You're doing golf. uh, You're eating some food. You know, someone said for Father's Day they'd rather be alone. Hopefully that's not the case. Uh, Someone said they had some softball games today. Whatever the case is, we do want to take a moment and really today we want to honor the dads. And really this message is specifically for the dads but not just applicable to the dads. Because um, being a dad, it is a fearful thing, is it not? Can I get an amen from the dads, right? Um, I still remember, every dad knows this, but you're sitting there and the, uh, wow, that light just really got me. Either way, you're, you're sitting there and they say, hey, you're good, you're good to go. And my wife is there and our baby's there and I look at them, I'm like, go where? And they're like, you can go home now. And I'm like, with, with the baby? They're like, yes, put the baby in the car, go home. And you remember the feeling when you're driving and the baby's in the back, your wife is there, you know, and you're sitting there and you're like, I don't feel equipped for this. I don't feel like I can handle this. It's a, it's a fearful thing. It's almost, uh, right, it's this calling on our lives where half the time, half the time, you just don't feel like you have all the tools You feel like you don't really know what to do. If you ask dads at certain stages of life, they'll say it's the hardest thing you will ever do is be a parent. That's once you have teenagers in college and all that stuff. Right now we got little ones, it's fun. You know, either either way, it's a it's a fearful thing. And half the time, if I'm honest, some people will ask me, you know, what's your goal with your kids? Um, and I'm joking, but I also say, I hope they just need like a little bit of counseling. Like not a lot after I raise them and my wife and I pray for them. Hopefully just a little bit. Because half the time, you just don't know, are you doing the right things? Are you doing the right things at the right times? You feel like maybe you've messed up or you have more mistakes than successes half the time. Uh, that's just how it feels. Now, uh, I've titled today's message, The Forgotten Way. Um, and as dads, there are just some things you forget, right? There's just some things you forget, right? How many of you, you go to the fridge, the wife will say, the milk is in the fridge. You open the fridge, you look, you close it. It's not there. What does she say? Look again. I look again. It's not there. And then she comes over. You know, you feel like you forget some stuff. Uh, It was two weeks ago. My wife sent me 
it's basically a missions trip, but it's to the grocery store. So she sent me, and she says, hey, I, I need you to get a few things. Now, uh, in the original language, in, in our language, a few things is two. Okay, in a man's mind, you know, a few things or two. And so when I get there, she sends me this text, and there is well over two things. So I get there, and I call her, and as I'm starting to go through the grocery store, I lose her call, I lost service. So in that moment, I have to decide, should I, you know, go back out and call her and get all the details, or should I just wing it and guess and act like I forgot? You know, in that moment, I have to decide, you know, I'll let you guess what I did. I came home missing a few things. But either way... As men, we tend to forget some things. And on a spiritual level, we forget things. And we often tend to drift toward other things in life that maybe are more cool or impressive, whatever the case is. And we'll start off this morning like this. Simple things are typically the quickest to go spiritually. The simple things. Often we want to graduate, we want to move on from something that's cooler, it's more impressive, it's flashier, you get more recognition, but simple things in our spiritual lives are the most foundational. You see, um, when you go to apply the Bible, when you do the simple things consistently is when God can bless you in the deep foundational work in our life. Um, When I was playing sports growing up in high school, all of us, every single one of us on the team would practice a fadeaway jumper, right? You're, You're falling back, you'd practice this jumper. For the life of me, could not make a runaway layup. I couldn't make a layup, I would always miss it. I always wanted to practice something else, but just in sports or in life, it was the simple things where God is gonna do the most work. And oftentimes, we wanna move on from something, we wanna graduate from something, because as dads, if we're gonna ask, this, ask ourselves this question, who, two, two questions, who sets the list for what fathers or dads should be doing? Who sets the list? Because don't you feel pulled in 9,000 different directions? Don't you feel pulled in every other kind of way? And in your spiritual life, how do you know? How do you know what am I supposed to be doing? With who, where, and what if I run out of energy and time? And how do I know, God, what do you want me to do? Now, the second question is this. Who, who is discipling or leading or teaching the dads? Where does dad go? Oftentimes, if we're not careful, we'll just go to self, right? We'll look in, into what we know. Uh, we'll often go to maybe social media or shoot, we go to the news. We're looking for anything else. Who is going to teach and disciple the dads? Because here's what's true about culture and here's what's true, I believe, about God. Um, out there in culture, what's gonna happen is uh, they would love to beat down the dad to just say, hey, you're never enough you don't know what you're doing. You're not smart enough. You're always going to be this way. It's always in the family line. You're never going to be able to shape up. You need to get better. You need to do. It's always more, and it feels like it's a beatdown session. Now, this is what I believe is true about God. God doesn't want to beat you down. He wants to build you up. That God, He gives an invitation, and He says this: "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you." rest. And for the weary and for the tired individual or dad, he says, hey, come unto me. God says, hey, I would like to build you up, meaning I'm going to meet you where you are. 
and I want to help you. You see, um, it says in 1 Timothy 5, when the apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor, he says this in chapter five, verse one. He says, when you speak to an older man, encourage him, don't rebuke him, encourage him as a father and, a young, er, and the younger men as brothers. So hopefully, my goal today, my, my hope for our time is that you would feel encouraged you would feel built up and at the same time challenged as we talk about this forgotten way. So in 2 Chronicles, we're going to jump in here. <clears throat> we're going to be in verses 3 to 5. 2 Chronicles 26, verses 3 to 5. We'll read these three verses here. It says this, Uzziah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah, that's a mouthful, of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. According to all that his father Amaziah had done, he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of the Lord, or fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper." So a few things just from this text. First off, you have a young leader. His name is Uzziah. He is doing the right things early on. He has a father named Amaziah. <clears throat> Amaziah is going to teach and instruct him <clears throat> in the things that God is calling him to. There are many things, many things you can teach your kids, are there not? There's many things. You can teach them how to cook a brisket. You can teach them how to play a sport. You can teach them how to fix a car, not me. You can teach them how to fix a fence, not me. You can teach them many things. But Amaziah, he set himself to seek God and to teach his son in the fear of the Lord. And that is what we are gonna talk about this morning. The, the forgotten way, or fearing the Lord, is what fathers are called to. And this idea that we're gonna talk about, I believe it is a forgotten way and what this means and how often we forget and what does it mean just to be simply called to these ordinary things in life? Because um, when we are thinking of what we wanna do with our lives, we often want something noticeable, we want something flashy, we want something that's gonna get posted about, whatever the case is, <clears throat> and God is going to meet Zach, or meet Amaziah and Uzziah in these small, unnoticeable things where he is fearing the Lord. And then it says this, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him what? Prosper. You see, we're not scared of that word. We're not scared of blessing. We're not scared of success or anything like that. It's in the Bible. All that means is this. When you do what God has called you to do, he will give you what he's promised to give you. That if you, if you obey God, if you honor God, he will in turn bless you. And fearing the Lord is what we are called to. That we can look at many other things at the baseline, at the baseline. I could have done really a four-week series on this idea of fearing the Lord because there are uh, there's other stuff that's gonna pull us. And if there's one thing that we would say, hey, at least in my case, that my father has taught me and that I want to teach others, and if we look at from the scriptures, it is fearing the Lord. It says in Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. Uh, we're gonna talk about this. When we think fearing the Lord, often we think of being scared or frightened or running or any of that stuff. What it means is this, that you have confidence in God, not in yourself, in his children will have a refuge, meaning a safe haven, a place for them to go. And I'll also ask ourselves this question is who I fear reveals who I follow or talking about this. 
If you wanna know who or what you fear, you need to ask yourself the question, who do I follow? Who is the person that I respond to the most? Or who's the person I'm willing to do whatever they ask me to do? Some husbands or fathers, we talk about this, they're like, I fear my wife, I will do whatever she says. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when you fear God, how do we know, hey, I'm going to follow. And whatever he says, whatever he says, whenever God says it, he has my yes and I lay it down for him. And so Two words, two words I wanna talk about, and I think this is what it means. It means to have respect and also response. That you and I would know who we fear. If they have my respect, meaning I care about what they say or this person over what I have to say or my thoughts. And response, meaning whatever is asked of me, whatever is asked of me, I'm willing to do whatever, whatever is being told. So it is respect and response. Now, the hard part when we talk about fearing the Lord in the forgotten way is because when we have things that are familiar, familiar to us, is when they're t- uh, basically they become more dangerous. And here's how this plays out. Um, if you give a kid, if you give a kid a bicycle, and C.S. Lewis called this uh, the disenchantment of life. If you give a kid a bicycle, how excited is a three or four year old over a bicycle? I mean, they're just losing their minds, right? My daughter has one. Uh, we got off the side of the road. It really doesn't work out the time. The tire's kind of flat, but either way, she's so excited. We get home, she wants to ride the bike. But I know what happens is in a year or two years or three years, what's gonna happen? The bike is gonna break and what she's gonna say, stupid bike, never works. For what first was amazing to her, then became familiar. And now what she wants, she's gonna be 12. She's gonna want a car. She's going to want something else, something bigger, because whatever is first to us, we tend to become familiar and we forget, hey, I'm not, I'm not enchanted or surprised with this, right? And often this is what happens in our walk with the Lord. When we first come to him, we have tons of respect and we have tons of response to God. God, I'll do whatever you've asked me to do. And then over time, we will tend to pull away from these things that the Lord has asked us to do. And a question as well for us. How many people or how many dads or whatever the case is, they start off strong, start off doing really, really well. I would say 99% of people start off strong. Uzziah in this story, he starts off really well. He's 16, shoot, barely can tie his shoes probably, right? He's, he's new, he's young, he's seeking after the Lord. He's starting off really, really well. Most people start off well. Most marriages start off well. Most families start off well. Most, shoot, churches start off well, don't they? Everyone usually starts off well, but we'll say it this way, that anyone can start well, but a legacy is built by finishing well. That if I, in my life, want to seek God and honor him and pursue him, anybody can start off strong. Anyone can. But how do we talk about a legacy that you want to finish well? How many dads in the room, you want to finish well or just shoot people, right? You want, okay, I got three in this house at 8.30, right? You want to finish well. And here's what I mean by finishing well. You are full of confession, full of imperfections. You have all of this stuff, all of mistakes. All it means is, hey, with clean hands and a pure heart, I'm going to seek after God and I'm gonna do the best I can with where I am. Most of the time, that's why we fall short when we start thinking about what God's called us to. We look at where we are and we say, man, I'm so far behind. 
I don't know enough. I don't know enough people. I've made so many mistakes. And I do believe that God looks at you and he looks at us and he just wants us to start where we are. That if we're, we're at the place where we wanna start well, we wanna finish well, we have to look at it and say, hey God, you have my today. That's all I can guarantee. That's all you've promised me that I'm gonna give God my today. So Amaziah, he teaches Uzziah to fear the Lord. As long as they sought the Lord, God made them prosper. We're gonna continue on, verses six to 15. This is gonna take me a second, so try to stick with me. It says this, he went out and he made war, this is Uzziah, against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities in the territories of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him, pay attention to this, against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbol and against the Munites and the Ammonites and the Mosquito Bites, somewhere in there. Pay tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate. And at the angle, when he fortified them, he built towers in the wilderness and he cut out many cisterns for he had large herds, both in the Shephelah and in the plain. And he had farmers and vine dressers and in the fertile lands for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an, had an army of soldiers fit for war in the divisions according to the numbers in the muster made by Jael, there's a guess, in the secretary of Maisa, the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders, the whole number of the heads of the father's houses of mighty men of valor was 2,600. Under their command, he was an, was an army of 307,500 who could make war with mighty power to help the king in Jerusalem or against the, against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for an army, shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines. I have no idea what this means 3,000 years ago. Either way, he made machines. Invented by skillful men to be on the towers in the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong." God bless this. That was a lot. I understand. I'll try to recap some of this. God blesses everything that Uzziah touches. He has the ability to delegate. He has the ability to build a team. His fame will spread. Everything he does blows up. He is the one who is able to come home and say, hey, they love me at work. Everything I do goes gangbusters. Everything I'm doing explodes. There's more, there's better. Everyone looks at Uzziah and shoot, they're impressed. I mean, he's making machines, whatever in the world that is. He's uh, spreading his army. He's over 300,000 people in armies and he's doing what God wants him to do. If we look at verses three to five, he's seeking after God, right? He's doing all of the right things. Now, here is the problem in all of this, is this last line. Till he was what? Strong. He, he started to realize it. He started to make the statement, shoot, I'm actually pretty good at this stuff. Like, I, I actually know what I'm doing. His success and everything else, it goes from his head to his heart. What Uzziah was starting to seek after, what he was doing was no longer because God had called him to do it. It was because he wanted and he believed he had the best ideas. He knew the right people. He knew what he was doing. And here's how it plays out. It was too young, too fast, too much. And we'll say it this way. That pride tells you things are going well because of you. 
That's what pride will tell Uzziah, and that's what pride will tell us. Hey, everything is going well because you, you know what you're doing. You know how, you know how many people can do what you do, Uzziah? In his mind, he said, man, he has the idea that God is maybe lucky to have me, that God, right, he's impressed with me, all this stuff. And here's what is happening in Uzziah's life. As he is starting to do, like we said, what God has called him to, his pride will start to pull him in to think, man, I don't, I don't need to rely on the Lord so much. And the verses we underlined through it was God helped him. God helped him or people were around him. He forgets all of this and he thinks, man, it's because of me until he was strong. He is doing impressive things for God. And we'll say it this way as well. Success should scare us more than failure. Oftentimes when you step out to do something and maybe it's just like you wanna be a parent or you wanna lead your family well, you wanna do things well, you wanna serve the Lord, um, we start to be scared of failing, don't we? What happens if this doesn't go well? What happens if as a dad, I fall on my face? We should, I think, be scared more of than just uh, failing. It should be more fearful of, hey, success, because the question that Uzziah is not asking himself along the way is this question. Who am I becoming in the midst of this? As his fame is spreading, as it's going far and wide and people are impressed with him, he's not asking, hey, who helped me? How did I get here? And who are the people that are responsible for this? He loses sight of all of this. And this is what's true. Forgetting is a recipe for failure because it attacks the heart. If you'd pull up that slide for me. Forgetting is a recipe for failure because it attacks the heart. <clears throat> Here's what forgetting does. It, start, it, will, it will lie to your heart when you forget where God has brought you and who has helped you and who are the people around you who brought you there. Because I think if I had to wrap my mind around this, I think God, if he's looking at Uzziah, I bet God misses the interaction that he has with the 16-year-old Uzziah who is desperate for him. Because when you're young and dumb and you're green, you're just desperate, aren't you? When you first start out, you're like throwing up half the time, you're hugging the toilet, you have no idea, I have no idea where that came. You have no idea how you're gonna get through it. You just need God's help, you're on your knees. And then along the way, what happens? You're like, man, I can do this. I've done this a thousand times, right? Uh, When you're younger, it just happens that you're more dependent and the older you get, you're like, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. I bet God looks and he's like, Uzziah, what happened to the 16-year-old Uzziah who was just desperate for me and knew nothing? This is what forgetting does. It attacks the heart and it lies to the heart and it tells you that you should or I should be strong. Uzziah is building a kingdom and it is not God's. It ends up being about his fame as it's spreading and going far and wide. And in verse 16, it says this, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Let me just pause for a second. Um, There's a lot, when I'm preaching, sorry, there's like a hundred things that flood to my mind when I read like one verse. Either way, let me pick like two of them. Um, It says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride comes before what? Destruction or the fall. Either way, NIV over here. Uh, It comes before then. So when, when you have pride, it is always before the fall. That's one thing we know. Number two, um, in 1 Samuel 4, 
there's another king, Eli, and he's, uh, he has a, a temple and he's ruling, or God's temple, he's ruling the temple. He has two kids. Um, they don't follow after God. And it says in 1 Samuel 4, it says, they put Ichabod over the temple. The glory of God has left. When you walk in pride, when you get strong, Ichabod goes over the front door of our life. When he was strong, he grew proud. What's it say? To his destruction. Let's finish it. <clears throat> For he was faithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah, the priest, different guy, went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong. It will bring you no honor from the Lord God." In Exodus 30, verses seven and eight, there is a system established by God that there are only certain people allowed into the temple. It's the sons of Aaron that they can do this job. Uzziah probably has these thoughts. I know what I'm doing. I need to get something done. Faster is better. So he steps into something that is not what God has called him to do. And then in the midst of that, the priests, so just for our common sake or, you know, common language, another pastor runs in, not just the pastor, but how many? 80. Run in after him to stop him. This will bring you no honor from the Lord. Here's what Uzziah is probably thinking. Hey, some rules are meant to be broken, which is true half the time, but not God's rules. Some rules are meant to be broken. He probably doesn't like guardrails. He doesn't like accountability. We'll talk about that in a second. He doesn't like any of this stuff. And in the midst of this, it says, it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. It says in Proverbs 15, 33, it says, in the fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom. And before honor comes humility. And we'll say it this way. Humility comes before honor. If you remember in Philippians chapter two, What's it say? That Jesus became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He what? He humbled himself. Humility comes before honor. And in our culture, in our day, we are, I mean, it has gotten so out of hand. We're just terrible at honoring those who've went before us. We have no idea what it looks like. We'd rather point and blame out mistakes and, and kind of punt on all that. And here's what's happening in Uzziah's life. As he is in this temple, the, the priest approach him and says, hey, if you do this, you have no honor from the Lord. What you're doing, here's what happens in our life. When we submit to God and his plan for our life and we respect and respond to God, here's what happens. He gives us honor, not because it is due our name, but because we are following after him. Humility comes before honor. Uzziah is losing his way in the midst of this. All of the stuff he has done, the years of success, the legacy he is building is crumbling because he has no humility here. It's all what he's trying to do. Let's finish the passage in 19 to 21. Then Uzziah was what? Say it with me, angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn the incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly and he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. <clears throat> Uzziah has thoughts like this. I know there's 80 of them. I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but here's the reality. Hey, 
he, he believes that any accountability is an attack, right? He doesn't think anyone really should, should be confronting him. And we'll say, hey, accountability feels like an attack when it's all about me. You think the, the 80 people or 81 who go in to confront him, you think they love King Uzziah? You think they want the best for him? You think they want to help him? I do. I think they want to say, hey, there's some things, Uzziah, you just can't see. He, there's some things around you. There's some things. And none of this, none of this is an attack that we don't like you. We don't care who you are. We don't care what you've done. You're stepping into a world that you can't operate in. Hey, King Uzziah, we're here to help you. And what happens? Uzziah gets struck on his forehead with leprosy and he gets rushed out. And I mean, you want to talk about, and then it says, to the day of his death, he was what? A leper. There are some things in life that, and I think it's true, God allows some scars in our lives to remind us that we all walk with a limp. That he says, Uzziah, hey, you're not gonna forget this time. I'm gonna, he's gonna scar him, he's gonna mark him that, hey, the leprosy is a reminder, hey, that you need to remember where you've come from, the mistakes you've made. It doesn't mean that God didn't use you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. But here's the reality. Hey, this was not an attack on your life. But moving forward, you can't run away from this reality that God loves you. And there are some things in life that you need God to help you with. And we'll, we'll talk about this. So I want to come back to this. It is not the father's fault when the son grows in pride. <clears throat> so we'll, we'll come back to the, the start of the passage here. Amaziah was his dad. He taught him in the fear of the Lord. Do you think, hearing this story, do you think the dad has some guilt? Do you think he feels responsible? Do you think he feels like, what? I thought we, we talked about this. Do you think he has some shame as a dad, right? And I want to talk to just some of the dads, depending on where you are. <clears throat> There is a certain weight that as a dad, you are not, I am not responsible to carry. You just can't carry it, and you are not meant to. Uzziah is responsible for his decisions. As fathers, as parents, as people, what do we do? We sow the seed, we pray that God would bless it, and we leave the results to him. That whether you have guilt about your kids and how they turned out, you feel like you could have done more. Isn't that always the case? Could have done more. You could have led more. You could have prayed more. You could have carried more. You could have done this more. You could have done whatever the case is. At the end of the day, every single person is responsible for themselves how they respond to God. And so is Uzziah. And I bet Amaziah, I bet he feels this immense amount of guilt, all these people, all this stuff. But it is not the father's fault that Uzziah's heart it's his heart. And here's the, the crazy thing about this story. When I said Uzziah, about half of you, if you grew up in church, you thought we were going Isaiah 6. You thought we were going Isaiah 6. It says in Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah goes in the presence of the Lord. And when he does, when he does, he shouts, holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. He asked for a cleansing of his lips and his heart because here's what's just true. When there is someone with a mistake before you, it can always teach you a lesson. It can always lead you in the right path. It can always pull you in because Isaiah gets to watch the person before him make a mistake and he decides to learn. Not for me, not for me, but for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord that regardless of who went before me, I can't blame them. 
I can't point the finger. I'm responsible for me. And I do believe, I do believe wholeheartedly, however you come in today, you have a dad, it's a healthy relationship. I mean, shoot, praise God. My dad gave his life to Christ 46 years ago this past Wednesday. Change the trajectory of our family's life. Chain breaker to the max, right? You have a healthy relationship with your dad. Some of you, broken relationship. Just wounds beyond compare. Some of you, not even there. You don't even have the capacity to think in that realm. God wants to be your heavenly father and heal every single mistake. He wants to redeem it. He wants to pull you in. And we'll say it this way as we close out this morning, that fearing God is the first step into relationship with the heavenly father. I believe it's the first step. I really do. I think it has to do with respect and response. I believe if you want to have a relationship with God, it starts by fearing him. And there's a story in the Bible uh, in Luke 15. It's about a son who takes all that the father has and he runs away with it. And the son uses all the dad's money, all the stuff. And in the midst, he says this, it says, he came to his senses. And when he comes back home, he starts to confess. He starts to feel sad about what he did. And the father won't even let him finish the confession. You wanna know why? Because there is no fear in love Perfect love casts out fear. That when you come to God, he embrace you right where you are, just as you are, and fearing him that we would fear God, that we would not forget this simple way, amen? That we would walk in this. So would you guys stand? I'll pray for us this morning as the band comes up. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word. We're grateful for the story in the Old Testament with King Uzziah. I pray that it would teach us and correct us and remind us. And God, I just pray for all of us, everyone who's listening, that we would fear you. We wouldn't fear other people or their approval or lack thereof, but God, as, as people and specifically as dads, that we would walk in the fear of the Lord. God, full of imperfections and full of probably guilt and shame and all that in the midst, I pray that we would give all of that to you. And would you help us to take our next step of obedience, God? And would we not forget the way of fearing you? God, we give this to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.